talking to Wednesday Comics to my right, the AP himself, Alex. How you doing? Hello, everybody. And I'm doing fine. To my left, the G Dub himself, Garrett. How you doing? Doing good. Wednesday Comics podcast. We are here to review a book this week that is part of the Wednesday Comics Presents League of Extraordinary Gentle People's Book Club. Is that how it goes? Yeah, uh, it's pretty close. Uh, Fatal number one, or Fatal volume one. Uh, we will be talking about today by Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, and Dave Stewart on colors, not uh, Betty Brewster, but I can see why. I need to apologize. <laughs> I was wrong. Dave Stewart. Yeah, I just find it. I just find it funny when I opened the book up to read it this week, and I was like, "How can we didn't check once over the last three months?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I think in we just honesty, assumed. Uh, part of me just assumed who it was. And well, it's coming off a criminal. Didn't think to look. Like it's coming off a criminal, which uh, Betty did do, and then and then it was sandwiched in between that and, and Fade Out, which she also did. So, but I guess she was probably doing Fade Out when Dave was coloring this. So, who did be, who did kill uh, killer be killed? Betty. Wasn't that Betty? Yeah, it was. That was Betty. Yeah. Uh, gonna read uh, a review of Fatal Volume One. That is Alex's pick for the book club uh, this quarter. And then, if you stick uh, stick around till the end of the show, I will announce the book for the next quarter. I have picked it. I have selected it, and uh, I would say might be something you're not expecting from the old Marvin. But we'll see here. Uh, to get into this book, uh, first you have to understand this is coming off of Criminal. Uh, Ed Rubricker and Sean Phillips at the time, now that it has since came back, but at the time they did uh, Last of the Innocents and uh, they were like, let's do something else. This book came out 2011, I believe, or 2010, and it was going to be in the noir style, but obviously it was going to be uh, influenced by Lovecraft. If you've seen the cover or seen anything about the book, you realize that uh, it's somewhat supernatural. Everything is not as it seems. Uh, as we get into the actual book, uh, there's actually... It's a nice mix, and I thought it was going to be over supernatural, but it actually really isn't. Um, so, but is it in the same kind of vein of a, a noir story like Criminal? Uh, these two, like that's where they live. Uh, like Alex mentioned before, they also did Kill or Be Killed, and that is similar, if not a different twist on that kind of genre. And so, this really is a supernatural, supernatural kind of noir story. Uh, Sean Phillips on the art with uh, Dave Stewart from Hellboy fame and VPRD uh, doing the colors. And uh, Ed Rubaker uh, writing this book. This book originally was going to be 12 issue maxi series, uh, got extended to 24 issues, 24 issues uh, complete. And we read the first volume, which consists of six issues. Five. Five, Five. issues. So uh, almost about halfway of the original intended uh, series, but then it got extended after. The the first issue uh, uh, sold out four times was uh, four four printings of that uh, had a lot of buzz around it and a lot of critical uh, uh, praise and so Image decided and and also Ed and, and Sean decided let's make this double the size we were gonna make it so um, it's been a book correct me if I'm wrong Alex uh, you didn't we like criminal this uh, and then we had fade out I believe like fade out is like the first Ed and Sean book that me and you at least like read ongoing and then we just kept on with them and then we kind of went back and filled in criminal and then this is kind of a thing that I feel like uh has escaped our uh, our sights for a while I think part of the reason it escaped those that it was it was that supernatural-esque part of it that I don't think neither you nor I were um excited about especially from this team and now obviously in hindsight uh we should have kicked ourselves in the faces and be like hey 
anything these two do, we're going to be on it. Which, uh, I mean, obviously now I've gone back and I've actually collected the issues. I haven't read the whole run yet, but I do have them all in First Prince. Um, so, I mean, I, I never escaped that, that uh, I'm going to call it greed, where I have to have it. Yeah. But but I don't know why you and I never did jump on this book. I think it was a supernatural. Because was getting fade out. I mean, I mean uh-huh. I remember looking at the cover and being like, ah, like, uh, and I think it's one of those books that kind of fell into the category for me where I always was like, why don't you just make a noir book? Like, why you got to make it supernatural? Like, I, I think uh, I, at the time and uh, a little bit post this uh, beginning of the show, I, I mean, beginning of us doing this podcast, not this specific show, um, I would also say that, like, why is everything have to be this plus vampires plus uh, werewolves plus you know monsters um and so going into this book i was excited because this team i love uh i love sean and i love uh ed uh working together i think they put out the some of the best work in comics today uh some of the best works in comics in the 2000s uh the last 20 years and uh, so i'm really excited to read this book the only thing in the back of my head i'm like but i just hope that that's not too much and gonna be like that thing for me to be like, come on, I wish this was just a noir book. And uh, before I hand it over to Alex to kind of introduce the book for you, I just want to say one thing, spoiler-free, and then we'll actually get into the details. Uh, that actually didn't bother me that much. It actually is sprinkled in nicely. It's nicely flavored in, and I don't feel like it's overwhelming at all. Uh, it's more like uh, you're kind of kept on the outside, and it gets more involved as you get towards the the end, but I don't feel like it over overtook the kind of noir kind of style at all or in the mystery behind what was going on, uh, at least to the effect that I thought it was going to have. Uh, it was way less than I thought it was going to have. So uh, if you have been worried about that, and, and that's the reason why you haven't picked this book, I would say that you can go ahead and bypass that uh, bias that you have for uh, those type of stories and go ahead and pick it up. But uh, we'll get into details at least for the first here. five issues. At least for these. Because I'm not, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure what happens after this. Well, you know well I feel like I Go feel ahead. like the veal maybe like it's dropped a little bit after this first arc, being like, okay, well something's clearly up, so I got to explain some things in more detail. But um, I enjoyed it. I, I agree, Marvin. I think it was like spring, the supernatural bits were sprinkled in really well and didn't necessarily take away from the story at all. It in, in fact it made it more compelling in certain parts. Uh, so yeah, I thought it was a great read. Alex, why don't you introduce the book? What's the uh, premise behind Fatal? So the premise of Fatal is kind of a twofold story. Uh, you mostly start off at this this funeral, and a young man sees a beautiful young lady who claims that she's looking for something from her grandmother. And uh, this this young man actually goes to investigate a little bit more of the the passing of this person that he was at the funeral for. Uh, finds an old manuscript. This man used to be a writer, obviously. And uh, we jump into his story. So we jump into the past, being told the story from his perspective, and actually just kind of the whole whole rundown of uh, honestly this lady, this this woman that. Uh, this man had a relationship with essentially we get into a little more uh, nitty gritty little things sorry i am not good at giving the rundown of any story <laughs> so uh <laughs> basically you have this mysterious woman that is basically uh like alex said you tell her from the past there's a story set in uh world war ii kind of era not, there's not a lot of that but it is certainly there 
uh, and during uh, the 50s, and then also in modern age, uh, or at least 2011 when this book came out. And uh, you have three different stories going on. One about how Joe uh, originally met uh, Hank. Is that his name? Yes. Yep. Uh, met Hank in World War II, and for some reason they were uh, drawn to each other and attached to each other. And oh, eventually, that's Walter. Walter. They were drawn to each other and attached to each other and, and had this bond that was unbreakable. In the 50s, she kind of wants to break away from Walter, and she meets uh, Hank at the time. And Hank is going to help uh, show how corrupt Walter is. He's a cop at this time, and can expose that. Uh, and and also, in a sense, doing it for selfish reasons to help Joe get out of that relationship. And then you have the modern story, which I believe is uh, Hank's son, uh, after Hank... No, no. Hank's godson. Godson. After, godson. After Hank dies, uh, he goes to his house and is looking at his belongings uh, that are there and finds there's a manuscript of a book that he never published. And uh, uh, basically, Joe comes into his life also, and uh, he's trying to figure out like what went on during that time. So, uh, you have three different stories. Uh, Joe is the through line through all of them. Uh, she does not age at all in any of the stories, and you're kind of trying to figure out like what exactly is going on and what's the mystery behind Joe. Um, there's also this, uh, group, uh, in the background, a lot of people wearing, uh, some, uh, sunglasses and, uh, this, uh, <laughs> bigger fat guy, uh, who turns out to be a monster of a Lovecraftian, uh, origin and, uh, some sacrificing, a lot of, uh, cut throats and, uh, some uh, heads blown off. Uh, you know what? The story itself is, here's the thing about this book and I'm going to get into, we're going to get right into full spoilers, but. Um, something about like the beginning of this book, I would say probably like the first like fourth or maybe even third, if I want to push it that far, I feel like it took a while for me to like to get into it. Um, and I, I, I actually, uh, point to those three timelines being the reason why I don't think it's very clear that for a while, um, that those are different characters. And what I mean is I understood like we were different times, but because Joe is immortal, for a second, I was like, are, are these guys immortal? Because a lot of them look alike, uh, especially Hank and his godson. And I was like, but he's got a white piece of hair. And I was like, well, maybe he's older now. Like, maybe he just is, like, slowly aging. But I go, no, but he's supposed to be dead. And then it doesn't help that Hank has a different full name that he goes by in the modern story. And then in the in the uh, other one, he goes by Hank. Um, and Dude, I completely <laughs> agree because... So I read the book and like I felt like I was following, but in my head I was like, God, I'm so fucking confused on all the names. So I literally went through every single page and like just like when they introduced the characters, like, okay, this is this person. Then I kind of scrolled through and like refreshed my memory on who is who and what storyline. So I got to agree with you that the characters look very similar and there is not a very distinguishable hard line between times. I mean, also in the 50s, Walter and Hank wore a hat for a, a lot of scenes and so i would like stare at me like you can't really see if he's blonde or or a brunette because uh walter was blonde and i'm looking at it being like which one is this because unless you saw that he was fatter and like it was from the shoulder up i would be like who is this guy is it walter or is it and eventually i think i got like i could tell them uh uh character wise by the end i understood where they how were they were different and stuff like that but at the beginning, it took a while for me to get into it, purely based on that. And I feel like, and I know, I, like, this is not something that um, 
I feel like they should have been a little bit more different. And, and I don't even think it's Sean. Like, Sean's a good artist, and he actually can draw very distinguishable characters. I think it came down to really, like, making a darker book. Like, it wasn't really that bright. Obviously, it's a noir story. But also, like, in that 50s storyline, like I said, everybody drew, everybody dressed alike. Like, guys dressed a certain way, and ladies dressed a certain way uh, back then. And, and the guys dressed in a certain way was, you know, trench coat, tie, shirt, you know, like a nice shirt and a hat. And uh, so for a while, I was like, which one is this? Um, and then when it went back to the past, I was like, okay, so this is the older guy. But then really Hank and Walter don't look that much older than each other in the 50 storyline. So I'm like, it's, but, uh, and so um, it did take me a while. Uh, is what well, I'm to say. also Hank's friend is blonde. Oh, just yeah, that's like Walter. But he was like a skinnier, like Walter was kind of a thicker guy, kind of like Harvey Bullock size, where uh, Hank's friend, Johnny, was like, which I think, which I feel is um, Nick's dad. I'm not 100% it is. sure. That it is. Okay. I thought yeah, I was it's supposed, Well, it was. it's supposed to be. But my only thing is that I'm wondering, now I haven't read farther in past issue five, but I'm starting to think, what if Hank is Nick's dad, Nicholas's dad, because they look so much alike? It could be. I mean, honestly, so it makes sense they that look like she the same would be person. there. She knows who he is. Yeah, and he's reading the manuscript, and we do see uh, at the end of the book that, well, I guess he turns into, but who knows? Uh, at the end of the book, we do see that <clears throat> Nick's uh, kid is alive. Uh, who's to say, though, that he doesn't have another kid with no. Joe? It's Nick's uh, Nick, dad. Hank's kid. Hank's kid. Hank's kid. Who's Nick? Nick's like the. the Grandson. Nick, Nick is the one in the present day. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Fucking oh, okay. I, I know what you're saying, <laughs> yeah, but I make sure so, our, yeah, our listeners. Like a, yeah, you're right. Uh, Hank's uh, son, who is, sorry spoilers, the devil guy, the demon, or whatever monster he is. Uh, but then yeah, yeah. Nick went to go see his dad, Johnny, <laughs> at the insane asylum. Oh, yeah. Correct. By the way, creepy scene. Uh, I actually, so once you got into it, I actually kind of, like towards the end, I would say the, like the last half of this. Uh, I actually really uh, started enjoying, uh, I believe, so not so much so, like in Criminal, I feel like they're very simple panels, and in this one, it's not too crazy. Uh, there are some uh, art choices that kind of di- uh, different, uh, well, not really, but I've, it's a little bit different. Um, but for the most part, it's pretty simple uh, storytelling, and it's mostly, you know, on the characters and, and the plot. This definitely is a plot-heavy book. And um, where Criminal kind of is like a character-heavy book. And even though the characters, I feel like, are well fleshed out by the time you get to the end of this book, uh, when especially when uh, uh, Walter uh, passes away, uh, gets killed, uh, dies. Um, adios. Uh, I think by the time there, like, he completes his arc of re- redemption, and you actually do kind of feel uh, a little bad for him that he decided to do the good thing in the end and he became the, the well for the most of the story he was the villain and then eventually he turned into the hero at the end you kind of um are there with him you know you went on that journey with him we started a good guy became the bad guy and then turned a good guy again uh so i mean there are character moments like that that do pay off i feel like but also i think for so long you're trying to figure out the plot and what actually is going on that it detracts from those character moments almost that I couldn't really focus on learning those people because I was so I was so much trying to figure out like what exactly is going on here. Uh, I think on a second read, 
it might actually be better. And actually, uh, I think like the second, third volume, like the more you get into this, I think the first one, like it, it, almost you have to kind of like get used to this world. And then once you're into it, I think it should be fine. But it takes way too uh, long in this uh, five issues, like two issues, three, maybe even three to kind of, for, at least for me, to be like, where are we at? I think the interlude, that's where I started liking this book a lot was the interlude. I think it's just a, a part of me, and not that I necessarily need the hand-holding, but I, and I understand where the, the time change happened was obviously chapter one is of, of the manuscript is chapter one. Chapter two, the interlude is when we come back to the real world and we're, we're revisiting what Nick has learned. Um, but a part of me almost needed to have the end of the issues. Like I, so I read it on Hoopla, and it just goes through, just straight through. There's no no breaks. It just lets you keep continuing, which is great. I mean, it didn't throw me out of the book ever. I was always invested. But the only problem is that I almost wanted to know where one issue started and when the next issue ended. And I realized I could have Wait, doesn't it say chapter one, two, three, four? Lazy. Well, I think uh, I when issue I didn't one know if came it did. out, it had the prologue in chapter one. Because I looked it up too, Al. So I was like, is it two chapters an issue? Is it whatever? So it was just literally a chapter an issue. But the prologue was in the uh, first issue okay. when it was released. Yeah. Um, so, go ahead. Nope, sorry. I just had to clear my throat. Um, uh, the art's fantastic. Coloring fantastic. Yeah, Stewart is a, a master of what he does, and especially for this kind of story. Like He's used to drawing uh, uh, horror um with uh, BPRD and Hellboy, uh, and even so much so, like, it's not really, like, straight horror, those kind of books, but it's, you know, still, like, an action horror, which I feel like at towards the end, this kind of turns more into an action story than a noir story, but um, there are some great, actually, panels in this book, uh, coloring-wise, that I remember there's, a, like, a sunset uh, that I really enjoy. There's a one-page splash of World War II, uh, when they show you uh, the bad guys, quote unquote, the uh, uh, Lovecraftian creatures, and uh, so there are a couple pages that I actually did stare at and be like, "Oh, that's that's actually pretty nice." And I feel like I don't know, I, it might be uh, being a Monday morning Monday morning Monday morning quarterback on this, but I feel like Killer Be Killed was beautiful. Like I I could stare at that book and some of the the uh, pages like uh especially the character pages like expressions stuff like that i feel like uh were fantastic and it's not fair to judge i mean that's years later that that story came out maybe eight years later uh but this one here i felt like um maybe the plot was a little complex for the storytelling and the storytelling they kind of kept low key and uh when those kind of panels happened uh it almost seemed out of place a little bit like you were doing the simple storytelling, and they were just like six by uh, three by three grids, uh, six panel grids, and then I don't show there would be like a splash page, which would kind of try to do the uh, thing where, um, especially that World War Two page was like all the characters on the page with like all this fire around them, and kind of like try to. And I, this is not the phrase that I would like to use, but this is the phrase that I'm thinking of right now. Kind of show off like art, uh, kind of be a wow page. And I really didn't feel like this book needed wild pages like that, mainly because the rest of the book really wasn't like that. And so it almost is, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about the first half of this book. It just seems like uh, it started complex and ended simple. And when it got simpler and became more about the characters, I feel like that's when it got better. I think my 
I actually really did enjoy this, but my only my only thing is I think I need to get farther into it. This is kind of like Fables for me, where the first time I read Fables, I'm like, um, this is kind of slow. This isn't what I was expecting. And I'm guessing when I get into six and get through the second volume and maybe get to the third and fourth, it really picks up. It, it shows me what it can do. And maybe that's a part of it for me. This feels like just a standard edition of a Mustang. Where what I want is all the the gadgets and all the neat things to go with it, um, and like even the title for me, Fatale. She doesn't seem like a Fatale, other than the fact that she attracts these men, and whether it's something she's you know uh, poison ivy and she's giving it off, but she's not killing these men intentionally. Yeah, I I would have to agree. I mean, I I was expecting more. And I get it, you know, it's a series that was extended and there's a lot of building up to what the story's about. But, you know, you see that cover and you see, like, in a monster with tentacles, you know, you assume, I don't know, I assume that I would see that Joe would, if, she, if she's this siren-ish monster or whatever, unless she's just in human form this whole time that attracts men. Like, I'm just like, well, what's this big... Is that like a metaphor that she just like brings people in her tentacles? Like I was, I was expecting a little more on that aspect to kind of like get some answers. And I get it. Again, we're like a fifth or a sixth through the story. Um, but I don't know. I was just hoping to know more about like the rules of that world. And maybe that's for me why like I didn't really start enjoying it till issue four. Well, actually, that might be the reason, Garrett. I actually did forget that I mentioned that, that it changed from 12 to 24 issues. So this is a, what, uh, fourth, fifth of the story. And so um, maybe that's why the beginning seemed like it was so plot heavy, because it was like, this is literally like half the book. And then they were like, oh, no, we're going to extend it. And that's why it kind of slowed down and focused more on the characters uh, towards the end. Um, so, you know what? I, I mean, it's kind of a... And I don't know if they would do this now. Um, it almost seems like now uh, Ed kind, Ed and Sean kind of have a plan ahead of time. Like, I want to do this story uh, and uh, not really be like, oh, we're going to extend this uh, to 24 from 12. It's, it seems weird to, like, double up your story like that, but we'll see. Um, I actually did see that the whole thing is on Comixology Unlimited, all 24 issues. So if you are looking to read the whole thing, it's on there. Or uh, Alex, you said you have this in issues? I do. I do. Wait, you saw it on Comicsology Unlimited? I didn't see it. Yeah, I that's where I read it. it. Oh. That's why when Alex said he read it in Hoopla, I was like, well, I read it on Comicsology Unlimited. So the first right. two. In hindsight, I, I should have gone to Comicsology Unlimited, but then I was like, well, I'm already here. I'll just read it. We're only doing the six issues anyway. The first two so. trades are on there, and the third trade is not on there, but issue wise, all the issues are on there to read on Comicsology oh, Unlimited. So, which actually is kind of a. a, a different thing i don't think ed and sean really or image for that fact gave usually more out than the first trade and so like the whole thing is on there so that actually uh to uh alex's point like we haven't read any i haven't read any more to this and so it could really turn into a book that i enjoy i know a lot of people enjoy this series obviously we enjoy this team and uh the issues that i have with this could just be you know beginning of a book kind of issues rather than the series as a whole so um might want to check out the rest of it and see how it goes. I mean, Sean Phillips' art, like I said, and uh, with Dave Stewart's colors, like they uh, are good enough to continue. And I also, I want to, I want to actually want to circle back here when I say that it had those wow pages and maybe like it wasn't needed. They were fantastic. Like I'm not going to take that away from Sean and Dave. 
uh, they were fantastic to look at, and I enjoy, did enjoy looking at them. I just say that just seemed weird for the kind of storytelling style. So just to be like, bam, and like that scenes particularly. Uh, I don't know if we really needed that. Well, I think that image was trying to jam pack Joe and Walter's history into one page to be like, yeah, these two had a really big connection, and I think it actually did the opposite for me. It was just like, oh, you fought in a war and you ran from people. Mm. Love at first sight. There you go. You just in a war and you run. You're you're good. And actually, like, um, that's the page that confused me on who was who because I looked at him and I was like, wait a second, this guy is he blonde or like what's going on here? Because it actually looks like his hair is kind of uh, gray underneath the uh, the helmet. So yeah, that soldier guy looks nothing or like no one on that page except for Joe looks like their older person. Like just weird. Um, I do see here, Alex, to your credit, to your credit, uh, towards the end of the series, and let me see if I can figure out when, uh, towards the end of the series, it looks like actually, after uh, starting on issue 12, Betty Brewer does do the colors for the last half. Oh, really? Yeah, so uh, uh, maybe that's why. Maybe you saw an issue before, and you're like, oh, that's why she's doing it, so... Well, I mean, originally I'm not going to lie. I'm not gonna lie on the record. That's <laughs> not true. I, did, I had no idea. Um, I mean, maybe Dave signed up for twelve, and Sean and and Ed were like, "Yeah, hey, let's do more of it." And he's like, "Ah, well, I don't got time now." Like I, I said, I would do twelve, and so Betty came in and did the last half. <laughs> he's probably like, "Have you, know, you met? Gonna... Have you guys met Jeff Lemire?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> ready to say out? Uh, you know, I was going to say to you that so prior to talking about the book, we had said that why you and I had missed it. So this actually came out in 2010 or 2011. Uh, at that point, I was only reading superhero comics. So yeah. I would have ignored this anyway if it came out. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's correct. Um, I think I like had heard about it, but once again, like I was kind of... I don't know. It didn't appeal to me at the time, but now it does. Uh, a thing actually we, I think I kind of uh, mentioned uh, briefly, but we really haven't focused on is uh, I feel like this book is pretty brutal. Um, not only in terms of actual art that you see on screen, but there's a specific scene towards the end with uh, um, Hank's um, uh, wife and unborn child. They describe over and over again of them being torn apart by those mobsters. And uh, you know what? Actually, like usually, like that kind of like if I see it in movies or anything like that, I can differentiate and be like, well, that's fantasy. Like obviously, it's not real. And even though like it will not make me feel good. It's still almost like, yeah, it's a movie, it's a book, whatever. But for some reason, I don't know, the way they described it and the way that Hank reacts to it uh, felt really real to me in this book. Um, and you kind of almost feel like what like he does. Like, he screams, and the next thing he knows, he's wakes up in a cell. Like, he doesn't remember what happens, and he kind of just, like, basically loses it. Uh, he doesn't know what's going on. And um, that's a lot to take in. I mean... He was cheating on his wife, his pregnant wife, which doesn't make him a good guy. Hank uh, was being uh, not faithful. And then he's going back to his wife trying to figure out, like, oh, I've been gone for, like, half a night. Like, I'm going to come back. Like, what excuse can I make up? And he's so worried about make, uh, what lie he can uh, tell to get out of trouble. And then turns out that something horrible happened and he doesn't even get that chance uh, to even see his wife ever again. And uh, I thought that was really, uh, really uh, impactful moments. And I think it really turns the tide for the rest of the book. And from that point on, you're kind of just like, I like, from that point on, it was on autopilot uh, in the best sense of the word and, uh, you know, ran through this thing. and was like really enjoying it after that. 
because uh, I felt like there's real motivation behind Hank. You know, he's wanting to get back at these guys for uh, destroying his life. He was really concerned about Joe and what they might do to hit, uh, her. And uh, like I mentioned, uh, Walter gets shot and uh, Hank kind of blames him because he thinks that he's the one who kind of set him up for this because he was uh, interrogating him. And they they kind of blamed him for doing this and he thought it was like a setup to get him out of the way. Uh, and so when we see him next time, uh, uh, Hank shoots him right in the heart, which, I mean, he said he was going to, he had cancer and he was like, I was going to die anyway. So this is probably actually better. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the one sad thing, and it, I mean, it's a spectacular thing that, uh, both, uh, Brubaker and Phillips can do every book. The heroes are still garbage. Yeah, Patel, nobody's good. Like, uh, Hank is a bad guy. Criminal. Everyone's a bad guy. Uh, I think you even mentioned Joe. Like she's not literally killing people, but she definitely has the power to influence them to kill themselves. So, like, is she True. really that great too? Um, and even though I guess she does talk to that hobo, that yeah, one I was going to say, even though uh, that one guy, uh, she tells him to shoot himself in the head, and is that self defense? Who knows? But Hank is shooken up by it. He's like, "Holy shit! Like you didn't even do that. Like go to that extreme." Uh, uh, but you can tell from at least from that moment, he's like, I don't really know who this is anymore. I thought I knew her, but I guess I don't. That she has a past that we're unaware of. And I will say, I went and uh, kind of did some research on what the remaining series is going to be about. Uh, and there is a storyline. I actually think it's the next one that is about Joe and World War II uh, to get the backstory on that. So I guess you could see like uh the, they fill in what how she was and like alex said the gray areas of her character he's not she's not totally a good person or a bad person uh flawed and and still a person that you can root for and i think actually that's a good that's the thing with like walter too like he's flawed he wasn't the best guy he was a corrupt cop um he didn't exactly uh physically abuse uh joe but she was like he does other things like emotionally and 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 uh verbally and but then at the end like he really was like no i love you and he uh basically sacrificed his life to save her um and so like uh like any other ed in in, in sean books aries a gray uh nobody exactly is a person you can root for but also not nobody's a person that you can kind of damn and be like i don't know that guy's not a good guy they all have moments of redemption. There's one so. person you can damn in this book, the bishop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, I would he's damn sure. him everywhere. <laughs> so I actually got a question about that. So um, uh, Walter's like, the only reason I can hold this uh, uh, knife um, and stab the bishop is because he like made a blood oath. Is that the thing he carved into his arm? Yep. Yes. Oh, okay. So he's like, ah, and he starts stabbing him. And he's like, oh, you can't kill me this way. And he just throws him down the well. He's like, basically, uh, he, he does a Batman. I, I'm not going to kill you, but I'm not going to save you. And he tosses him down the well. And now you got a monster <laughs> stuck in the well. Which, I know, you know, there's a lot of stories about monsters stuck at the bottom of the well. So, he's all torn up. He lost an arm. I believe he lost uh, huge, huge sections of his uh, midsection there. Uh, and um, Lost his eyes. Lost his eyes, yeah. He can, yeah. He actually, so he gets, re- uh, I think I kind of alluded to this earlier, but he gets resurrected. Uh, Hank's son that they had said that died uh actually this group uh kidnapped and they do some sort of blood uh uh sacrifice to reincarnate the bishop into this baby and the baby goes from a baby to uh, an adult before our eyes uh, which is also another fucked up scene uh but when he's fully grown he's blind he's like oh they took my eyes 
And uh, uh, I was like, that's going to be fucked. Like, I, I, it actually did make me want to read more and be like, does Hank ever run into his son? And be like, hey, I'm your unborn son, but I actually am this bishop guy. And you, you like, I uh, she has my eyes and my eyes back. And it's it's uh, in a way, it's uh, it's in the and it's not meant to be silly, but also it is supernatural and kind of out there. But I feel like there's enough noir stuff that kind of grounds you in it. That if you like the noir kind of stories, uh, you're not going to get ruined by the kind of stuff. But I mean, who knows? I mean, the rest of them might go bash it crazy. Uh, this guy comes back. He was used to be a kid, <laughs> and he fucking grew before us uh, out of his diaper into uh, old man diapers. And so I don't know what's going on with this guy. So who knows? But uh, actually, like going into this podcast, I'm like, what do I think about this? Because of that beginning, and because it took me so long to like start enjoying this, like where do I rank it? I obviously I don't think it's as um, it's not up there with my killer be killed or criminal. I don't think it's uh, some of their best work, it's, it, but it's definitely not bad. Uh, it's definitely not something that I regret reading. It's something that I thought was good. Uh, it has uh, nice moments in it, whether it be horrifying like the uh, the murder scene like I told you about with the, the wife or uh, nice moments um, between Joe and Hank. Um, so I was really, I'm not sure what to think. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm the same way. It felt like a either like a first movie in a really long movie franchise or like a TV pilot where it gave me a couple of things that I definitely need more development to enjoy because right now it's it's good. But yeah, definitely not the best thing by Phillips and uh, Brubaker that I've read. I, see, my only thing is that we say that it's not as good, but the only problem is I haven't read enough to know. Like, I, we finished yeah, Killer Be Killed. We're, we're caught up all the way on criminal other than the stuff that happened, to, you know, was made 10 years ago that I don't want to say that this isn't one of their better works. Cause obviously it's, it's critically acclaimed on how great this book is going to be. Um, I agree. These first five issues, not as strong as I anticipated to have been. Um, you're saying but this I'm is like a fable really, situation. I'm really excited to get into it. You think this might be a fable situation? Don't judge it until you read more. Kinda. I just, I like, I at least want to give the second volume a chance and be like, hey, you know what? This book actually blew me out of the water. We went back in time to hear more of how she yeah. became what she is. Um, I just, this is one of those books that I, I trust the team so much that yeah, the the burn might be slow to begin with, but once you start throwing the gasoline on it. Uh, this bitch is going to burn for super speedy. I mean, and I won't be able to stop reading the book. You are correct, Alex. Like for us to just dismiss it based on the first volume alone is not uh, what we should be doing, and it might be growing pains from you know trying to figure out what this book was. But the, the pace of the book obviously changed from being this the first half of the story to instead one fifth of the story, and so uh, uh, we should give the rest a chance. Especially seeing, I want to I want to check out the kind of last part and see how Betty changes up those colors and whether or not. It actually turns into the uh, beautiful style that I'm used to. Not that, like I said, like I said, not that this is any, uh, this is not bad, but obviously it's more ho- uh, horror than it is um, uh, noir. I feel like um, if you hear uh, g- uh, popping in the background, that's some fireworks that my neighbors are shooting off. So uh, happy Fourth of July! Uh, <laughs> this is the Fourth of July episode, so. Um, yeah, I think I would give this here, and I'm going to say I say this, and it also makes me feel like I should go a little bit more, but then I could argue it down. Uh, a nice seven, I think. You know, like a smooth seven. Yeah, I'm going to go 
yeah, seven sounds good. I mean, it was it was enjoyable, but and it does make me want to read more. Um, but I didn't leave it going like, oh my god, I got to go read it right away. I'm like, I definitely want to check that out at some point in time between now and the end of my life, but maybe not right away. I'm gonna give it an eight. Uh, I think the the verbiage, not the verbiage, that's not the right way to put it. The Ed Brubaker telling me how the murder of his wife happened and how these these creatures are. I mean, they really are just monsters. And I, I, there's enough in it to make me excited for what's coming next. And I think a part of me, I'm giving them one extra point out of my faith for the team, and that. I really was horrified reading this book. But these monsters, it's not just, oh, we went bump in the night. This was, they went out of the way to find Hank's wife, to punish him, to find her. Yeah. That there's there's more thought put into Ripped this than his just... his child out of her womb. You understand? Eat whatever you want of her. Um... I mean, I actually do agree with that. I thought the character design is great, and those guys were horrifying in a way that they almost are uh, humanized to a point where it's like, how evil can humans be? But they're not human, but uh, they really don't uh, show their true form too much. Uh, it's a little bit in here, not that much, but not too much. And so you kind of have to uh, see them look like humans and still act like monsters. So, um, Good choice, Alex. I was looking Thank forward you. to it. Good choice. Fatal Volume 1, Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, Dave Stewart on this first volume. Like I said, the whole thing is a comicsology. If you want to uh, uh, read it, all 24 issues, I just double-checked just to make sure I'm not tucking on my ass. And uh, guess what? I'm not. So uh, it's all on there. Uh, you can read, uh, like I said, the first two trades are on there. But if you want to read them issue by issue and borrow issue by issue, all 24 issues are on there. So... Um, so here, here's the, here's the, uh, uh, the mindset here. So obviously we have a, uh, another quarter, another day coming up here, uh, the next three months. And that is the next 12 weeks. Uh, and we, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm racking my brain and I, I literally spent like an hour, uh, maybe 45 minutes, uh, trying to figure out like, what do I want to do? I looked through a lot of books, uh, to try to figure out what I wanted to do. I kind of looked at what we've done in the past, what I've done in the past, and I feel like uh, that in the past uh, I pick a lot of books, and I and and this is not knocking any of these books or knocking any of our picks, uh, but I think we try to go for the thing that maybe has uh, it's a little more critically acclaimed, uh, the thing, and not that this book I'm I'm gonna throw out there is not critically acclaimed, but it's a different type of story. Uh, these here are. Uh, not your straight kind of superhero comics. We've kind of been trying to find stuff that is a little bit different to read. Uh, Garrett picked A Study in Emerald, which uh, was a Neil Gaiman book uh, that was uh, kind of like Sherlock Holmes. And uh, Sherlock Holmes and H.P. Lovecraft mixed together, and then Alex picked Vital from a great team uh, having a supernatural noir kind of story. So I'm looking, I'm trying to figure it out, and I was like, you know what? Let's do a nice, fun book. It's a book that you know, I kind of got into when I first got into comics. Um, uh, I never read this specific start of the story. I kind of came in a little bit after this. And so um, I thought two things. One, it's summer. And what's the one thing that happens during summer? You get a blockbuster. So I'm like, let me pick a book that's going to be action-packed, 
maybe a thing that uh, we'll have a lot of fun with. Uh, and two, uh, I know uh, Garrett has recently uh, had a lot of exposure with this writer, uh, and but we, uh, meaning me and Alex, have also... Uh, me so I've had more positive interactions and Alex kind of uh, really um, has I think stop picking up anything that he writes based purely on uh, your books I, I would like to take a guess at least on the writer okay Bendis it is Bendis <laughs> and the artist is David Finch uh, it is going to be the new Avengers volume 1 breakout Nice. Uh, so this is a story that happens after House of X when all the mutants get taken away. Uh, three Avengers are killed, Hawkeye, Ant-Man, and Vision. And how do the Avengers pick up from that and move on? So I thought it'd be a nice kind of like action kind of book. Uh, That's one of Bennis's first, like he took over the Avengers. He did Avengers Disassembled and it kind of turned into New Avengers. New Avengers was like his kind of book. Uh, there was an Avengers book beforehand, and New Avengers was kind of like his pitch for a story, and had characters that he really enjoyed. So I was like, you know what? I want to kind of want to see, and I think actually I mentioned on this podcast when he was first coming to DC, I was like, this guy is like the reason why you have you know, summer events, is the reason why in comics, uh, a reason why you have like blockbuster comics, and the reason why that a lot of those MCU movies uh, got made, and why they were like, let's make movies out of these, and and the kind of like the uh, the uh, uh, foundation for that whole uh, start of that series. I mean, the dude was fucking consulting on Iron Man and a, f- uh, a few of the uh, early MCU movies. So like, and uh, this is it. So uh, we're gonna read that. That's New Avengers Volume One Breakout. Uh, David Finch art and uh, Brian Michael Bendis uh, writing it. Uh, there's a page. Here's here's what sold me on this. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. I think this is gonna be it. I downloaded it and I get like two, three pages in, and there's a panel of a certain villain putting on his costume. Uh, not a huge villain, a smaller one. But in my head, I was like, Alex would really enjoy that. I think that panel. And so I was like, uh, and I was like, and I think Garrett would like to read an, uh, an Avengers book. And I kind of wanted like put it out there and i think we had a fan one time say that we, you know uh bennis we're like uh bennis haters uh and uh let's turn the tide and give this guy his due i want to see actually if it holds up really i want to actually okay that's a, a good experiment for me to see if this thing holds up because like i said this is the origin of a lot of what you see as superhero comics today and so i'm curious whether or not it still holds up or if it is a relic of the old age, because uh, I believe it came out in like 2000 and let's see. Um, it had to be 2010, 2004. Yeah, way oh, early. Damn. Yeah, early it predated the Iron Man. Yeah, so it's just, well, it had to be before 2008. 2004 is the first six issues of New Avengers and the first uh, arc called Breakout. So there we go. That'll be my pick uh, for this next book club, which will talk about the first week in October. Uh, that's called uh, Getting Close to Fall there. So we'll have the rest of the summer to read this book and then talk about it in the fall. Wednesdaycomic605 at gmail.com. That's the email address you can send uh, any feedback you have or if you ever have any ideas on stuff you want to hear us talk about on the show. 605-215-1849. 
That is where you can call in and leave a voicemail, talk to our Google Assistant, and she will let you uh, leave a voicemail. WednesdayComics.com, you can subscribe to the show on WednesdayComics.com. You can leave us a message via anchor.fm on WednesdayComics.com, or you can click on the link on WednesdayComics.com to go to our merch store and purchase some merchandise, a nice t-shirt, a nice hat, uh, a nice mug. Uh, Mugs are pretty good these days. you got to get your coffee in, right, Alex? Every day, every, every morning. Every day. Uh, so does Garrett. Got to get that coffee in. Uh, coffee is what makes the world go brown. Uh, hey <laughs> There you go. Uh, don't forget to uh, check out our sponsors at truthofthesswampthing.com and rainbowcomicsandcards.com. They usually bring you the main show. Uh, this here is the uh, quarterly book club, but I'm still going to get a little props there. Uh, also, actually, something that uh, was announced uh, we're pre-recording this a little bit. Uh, announced uh, recently was that Supercon 2015, 2015, uh, Supercon <laughs> Volume Five 2020 uh, has been canceled. The physical one, but they're going to have some uh, virtual con in October instead. You know what? I'm going to tell them. Hey, you want us to talk about New Avengers? Um, but go ahead and go to uh, Supercon's uh, website, Supercon.com, or look them up on Facebook. And uh, get a little support right now. I mean, everybody's going through uh, their own kind of thing, but those are good guys over there. Uh, they're definitely supporters, and we're supporters of them. Uh, uh, and we've had a lot of good times over there uh, with not only the community, but some creators um, that we've met through the uh, con. And so I just wanted to let them know that uh, Wednesday Comics is uh, behind them also. So there you go. Uh, good book, like I said, Alex. It didn't... It, you know what? It subverted my expectations. I expected it to be full supernatural. It did not. It was more noir than I expected and enjoyed that part of it. So, uh, well, good. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I feel like the print copies of this, because obviously, like I said, I read digitally. I feel like the print copies of this are really nice. I don't know, though. Could not be. Isn't there like they a deluxe edition? They do look really good. Okay. I was going to say, I remember seeing them. Uh, at rainbowcomicsandcards.com, uh, actually in the store physically. And um, I remember being like, this looks like nice. Like, like, like Image usually kind of does the 999 copies, but I remember they were actually uh, of good quality, and I like the design kind of look of them. So uh, if you are looking to just get delve right into this because this is the kind of thing that you like, uh, go check it out. Uh, it is worth the money because it actually is made of good quality. So... You know what? Happy a happy fourth. Uh, when you're listening to this, it would have just passed. So I hope that you had a safe and fun time. We're moving forward for the rest of July, as Alex says. July heat, August beat. I don't know what that means. Do you like beats? <laughs> no, oh, okay. I'm not. I'm not uh, Tony Chu. No. Oh, I know. July. I know what the July saying is. In like a lamb, out like a dog. Days of summer. For Wednesday comics, I've been Marvin. I'm Alex. I'm Garrett. Hey, everyone. Stay safe and have a happy 4th of July. Or hopefully you had one. Pew, 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 pew. Fireworks. Nice.